Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Joey Scansella, Father Paul Bechter, and our special guests and friends, Sister Marie Fidelis from the Disciples of Our Lord Jesus Christ. Sister, how are you today? Blessed as always. <laughs> Is that just like a response that most... Like, I, I don't know... Okay, I, before we get into the charismatic thing, I have to ask. And you ha- you can't lie because you're a sister. Nobody should lie. You ever it's not good. Have you ever heard a sister curse, s- slip and like say a curse word? Like out loud, not think it in their head. It would be very uncommon. It's, it's a good <laughs> you notice response. how she didn't answer that question, yeah. Father? Okay, yeah, I'll let that slide because I know the mother house is probably listening to us. Also, probably interceding for the you know, success of prodigal and the priest and keeping us in daily prayer and all of that. So For definitely continual when, conversion. <laughs> yeah. From the, we prod- it. All, all the prayers. <laughs> That's right. So I wanted to dive into just to give you a little background, sister, we did a two part series on the Holy spirit just recently. So you should definitely, I know you've listened some to our podcast because you're doing a lot of other holy things, but at some point you should listen to the two part series on the Holy spirit. And you know, you know, because you've listened, Father Paul is probably a bit more traditional than me. Um, I, for 19 years of my life, never knew anything about the charismatic movement. I went and served with Net Ministries. I was introduced to it. It changed my life. Franciscan continued to go on with the charismatic movement, and it's something that daily is daily in my life, and actually... Um, I struggle with a lot that um, I don't get to incorporate more into my spirituality on a daily basis. And so, um, you know, I just want to start with some of these terms that we're tossing out. So when somebody says, what is the charismatic movement? What do you say to them? The charismatic movement is an approved movement in the Catholic Church, which was founded in 1967 in order to help Christians live a deeper experience of the Lordship of Jesus. So the charismatic movement has as its goal, as its mission, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he would be Lord over my entire life and over the whole world. And we do that through uh, the power and gifts and life of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think, though, that so many... Let me back up. My experience has been that uh, Catholics would be way more open to going to a Latin mass than going to a charismatic um, prayer group, right? Or just a charismatic prayer experience. Um, Has that been your experience? And if so, why do you think that is? Well, first of all, I think it's important to point out that the Holy Spirit is um, the spirit present in the liturgy, all liturgies. So like the Holy Spirit is present in every experience of authentic Christian prayer. So uh, whether we are characterizing it in our vocabulary as charismatic or not, the Holy Spirit is the animating force of all prayer, and he is the master of prayer. So um, I think that, as you said, Catholics are more exposed to Latin Mass as part of the history of the church, part of our patrimony as Catholics. And so there's a familiarity, even though we don't necessarily understand the words, there is a familiarity and a safeness of 
we've been doing this for 2000 years. And, you know, like this is something that um, is a way that people can encounter some of the history of the church. I think because the charismatic movement as a movement in the church is still new, is still relatively new considering 2000 years. Um, it's something that people are still um, being exposed to, and there's still catechesis and theology being developed. So this was part of the life of the early church, but in our modern era, the theology is still developing, and, and it's developing beautifully, but there still needs to be a lot of catechesis before people feel like it's authentically Catholic. I know I get the comment a lot uh, of, well, that's, yeah, just more of a Protestant thing or non-denominational thing. It's almost like Catholics have lost the claim over um, the charismatic prayer element and that it's looked at as less Catholic when in reality we look to the scriptures and Pentecost and everything that happened there and we go back to our roots and that's where it was, it, was, it comes from and it's founded. But um, I don't know, what would you say to somebody who's like, yeah, I don't really think that's too much of a Catholic thing. I think of that as, uh, you know, Protestant non-denominational thing. Well, it's depending on where the person's coming from. It's great to know that all of our Holy Fathers have approved uh, this movement and the spirituality and um, that it has the blessing of the church. And there's an office um, at the Vatican that oversees the movement and the different movements in the church, all the movements. So, um, but I will say like, for those who feel like maybe this isn't Catholic, um, I would just say that the Holy Spirit is Catholic? Can I say that, Father Paul? <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I like it. The Holy Spirit is is like I said, the center and heart of all of our prayer. And so, if people haven't experienced a personal relationship with Jesus and see Catholicism as a set of rituals that don't have life in them, or a set of rules that we have to follow, they won't be able to understand the charismatic spirituality, which is centered on, I have a personal relationship with Jesus and he wants a relationship with me. But even just that statement, right? How many times have we talked together, me and you, Father Paul, and just use that lingo, lingo of like a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And Catholics kind of get offended by even just that phrase to be like, that. that's, yeah. that's too... Pro you know what I mean? What are you yeah. thinking as more, more your spirituality being more traditional? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what is your thought when you're when you hear some of these things or going through it or representing that other side or maybe some of your own personal um, story and or reservation to maybe mm -hmm. dive deeper into charismatic prayer or the charismatic movement? Yeah, no, I've I've got a lot of thoughts, um, but just to to speak to the question, also of, real quick, yeah, why did you get approval from Father Paul to say if the Holy Spirit was Catholic and not me? But go ahead, Father Paul. Okay, this right here, <laughs> clericalism. That's right. Um, so, because there's a lot of questions in there, um, but but one just kind of surface question that I think is is important to address is like, isn't that a Protestant thing? And I mean. As, as we've mentioned several times, I didn't grow up with any contact with the charismatic um, movement really at all uh, until much more recently. But I still, as I came back to my faith in college and started to really embrace it, like 
there also arose this kind of defensiveness within me, uh, sort of like, well, I'm not like the Protestants are. And so, and I think that that happens to Catholics. Like you could even push it to something like, like a real devotion and love for scripture, right? Which would sound absurd to us if we said that's a Protestant thing, because we know how important the Bible is in our life. Um, there are things, and the popes have spoken plenty about this, uh, there are aspects of authentic Catholicism that the Protestants do better, um, at least at certain moments in the life of the church. And so out of this, like, oh, yeah, that thing too, um, sort of response. Sorry, that didn't make any sense what I just said. But but us seeing that... Um, shouldn't make us defensive it should make us say like okay let's discern is this an authentic thing um under the the guidance and of of the holy spirit and and yeah just i mean so my thought is like you could take that same that same logic with uh charismatic prayer or with personal relationship with our lord jesus christ and you could push it all the way to something that would sound more absurd to Catholics, like scripture. Mm-hmm. And so if that's true, then you can also trace it back. And I, I just know, I, I don't know if that, if that and, uh, yeah. anecdote made a ton of sense, but in, in my own life, I saw some of that sort of defensiveness. And then as spiritual maturity came in at least a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't feel terribly defensive anymore. Yeah. I feel much more open to learning and to, to dialogue and to, to actual like praying together. Yeah. Um, and also just going out of the United States kind of helped me with that. Like in, in Rome, I studied together with tons of different people, um, uh, from all sorts of different walks of life. So, so that's, yeah. that's, that's that one kind of surface question. Um, I mean, what, Sister, would somebody do that, you know, maybe they're intrigued by this and you guys probably do this often because it's so important in your community, but they're intrigued by this idea. They want to know more about it. Um, what's the first step that you tell somebody to go about? You know, is it, is it read this book? Is it, um, you know, just pray, come Holy Spirit. Like where does somebody start who wants to be open to it? Because I'll be honest, the people that I see most on fire in the Catholic church nowadays for the Lord, most of them have a huge relationship with the Holy Spirit and have developed that. And I feel are living a somewhat charismatic lifestyle. And so, um, you know, I want more people to experience that and be on fire for our church and our, you know, and our Lord. And um, so what steps would you tell them to take? Well, the first thing that is always the right first step is to pray, (laughs) is that um, charismatic prayer is like any other kind of prayer, any other kind of Christian prayer, I should say, that you have to pray like you can't we're not just like going through motions and like trying to create an experience so if someone says what when you're saying like i want to experience this kind of charismatic prayer what you what's really in your heart should be i want to encounter god's love for me and i want the holy spirit is the love of god poured into our hearts that's what scripture tells us so um 
the desire for an encounter with God is should be the core motivation. And so you can experience that anywhere at any time. And so like my first step recommendation is always take time, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever time you have, and sit down somewhere in silence where you can be quiet and not distracted and just make a prayer from your heart. Lord Jesus, I want to encounter your love for me today. And that could come from any different places. You know, Lord Jesus, I want to encounter your love, but I feel afraid. Or I want to encounter your love, but I've been living in sin. I want to encounter your love, but... And then start to explore what's in your heart and then you'll know the next step. Like if it's, if you want to have a deeper relationship with God, but you feel afraid, then pray through that and talk to a priest about that or a religious, if you can find one. Um, if, if you say, I want a relationship with God, but I have unconfessed sin in my life, then go to confession. Isn't that great? Um, but my first step for, if someone wants to encounter charismatic prayer in a deeper way is first to open their hearts in silence to God directly, because that is what charismatic prayer is, making Jesus the Lord of our lives, inviting him to be the Lord of our lives. So that would be a first step. And if someone's looking for a book to read more about charismatic prayer before they jump right in, um, there's a good book called As by a New Pentecost. It was written by Patty Gallagher Mansfield. She was one of the original students on the Duquesne weekend in 1967 who first experienced this grace in the church. And she has remained super faithful to the church and has spoken with Pope Francis and, um, you know, presented with him a few years ago. And she wrote a book called As by a New Pentecost that explains how this movement began and also how to continue to grow in that. So those are kind of some first step recommendations. So what is your spirituality like? On, like, how does that play out in a charismatic way for you all? Like, I don't know if that question makes sense. Yeah, but what it, does it look like? Yeah, on a daily what, basis, right? For the disciples. Yeah, sure. because for people who aren't familiar with it, you can hear these words, you can get comfortable with them, but then, you know, what are we actually talking about? What does it look like? Yeah. Sure. I can share a little bit about how our religious community lives our charismatic spirituality. Um, and again, I say this knowing that we have a charism to live this in a concentrated way. Mm -hmm. So when I say this, I'm not saying everyone should live this way. I'm just saying this is how we as a religious community express this is we pray the divine office four times a day, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. And after the opening hymn, as a community, then we spend a few moments singing in the gift of tongues. So that is just part of our daily liturgy four times a day. And the church allows us to do that. And it doesn't take away from the liturgy. We do everything by the rubrics, everything by the books. But after the hymn, we enter into a time of, uh, of singing in the gift of tongues and then a moment of silence, like a contemplative silence to wait and see if the Lord has any word or scripture that he would want to speak to us. Um, we believe that, that God is real and he's alive and he wants to talk to us. So that is how one way that our sisters live that uh, in our common charism. Also in all of our ministry, we are open to uh, we one of our main ministries is praying with people. So we could be in Walmart or we could be, you know, in our office or we could be at Joey's house and someone comes in. And the first thing that we do, for, obviously, is get to know them, but is to say, how can I pray for you and how can I invite you into a deeper relationship with Jesus? And so I would say that people can be 
if, if someone wants to be more open to the Holy Spirit, um, one way to do that is by letting him share encouraging words with other people through you. So like, for example, if, if I'm in Walmart and I see a woman who seems to be really struggling with her kids or whatever, you know, I can just walk up to her and let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Uh, and, and I can tell her like, God loves you so much. And I see that you're really struggling, but like have faith and know that he's with you and you're doing a great job as a mom, you know, like, and that, that can bring an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we as sisters do that all day long. That's kind of what we do in a way that we spread God's love. And that's, can I, can I just jump in? Please. I think that's such an important thing to say on this because uh, again, for people coming like from a background of, of maybe where I've come from or something, like you can hear charismatic spirituality and you can say, well, that really just means that like, you know, they like praise and worship music and they like to pray in this way, but it's, it's much more, much more of an active thing. It's really believing that like God wants to work through you in this powerful way in the lives of others, even in very simple ways, like offering a certain word uh, to them in the middle of a conversation that can, can open their hearts uh, to receiving his love in a, in a way that, you know, that might not have happened otherwise. It, it's believing that the Holy Spirit wants to use you as his instrument and actually will. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the step of, of like faith, believing that God wants to work in this way in the lives of every Catholic. Um, but it's scary. It's right, like the, even yeah. just that example you just gave, there's a little bit of like, would I do that? I'm a youth minister. I work I for the church. Would I go up to somebody in Walmart who seemed to be struggling and just be like, hey, you are a great mom. God loves you. That, that exact thing you said, I'm kind of like, yeah, I have a little anxiety just even hearing that being like, uh, and and I have a relationship you know, I, with the Lord, I pray, I do these things. So, I mean, what would you say to the person who's, who's struggling with mm-hmm. that? I mean, who, that kind of a ball of anxiety being like, would I do that? Yeah. It's so okay to have anxiety. That's so okay. <laughs> and that's not a, a hindrance for God to work. And so, um, it is easier when you have a habit on to go up to someone and because they know what I'm about. They see me and they know that I represent God. I don't have to explain a lot of things. If some random stranger came up with no explanation and was like, God loves you, that, that might be a little, feel a little scary, feel a little invasive. But that is to say, like, I think I've met so many people whose lives were really changed by just one word. And so um, just one way to kind of handle that anxiety or like, you know, kind of navigate that I would say is in the morning uh, when I pray and I would invite listeners to do this when you pray in the morning, when you wake up, just say, Holy Spirit, I want to be your instrument today. Give me opportunities. Um, And then let the Holy Spirit lead you. You don't have to like go create opportunities, but we pray as sisters every day for what we call divine encounters. So like, Lord, whoever you need me to encounter today to share your love, like put them in my path and I will be available. And so part of, part of 
this lifestyle is being available to the Holy Spirit. You know, like if I'm in Walmart and I've, I've done this, like if I'm in Walmart and I've got my list and please don't bother me today. Like, I just want to get this thing done and go home. And I don't want to have to talk to anyone um, or I'm in a hurry or whatever. Um, it's very tempting to be like not listening to the Holy Spirit. Don't talk to me. Don't want, don't want to, you know, get involved. But um, that simple prayer in the morning, Holy Spirit, use me as your instrument today, that can help me be more disposed to what God wants to do that day through me. So I would just encourage people to, to pray that. Holy Spirit, use me how you want today. Let me be your instrument. And then, and then see what God does. That's a beautiful, I mean, that's just an amazing statement. I encourage everybody. I, I echo that. So I want to go back to something you said about praying in tongues. Yes, I, I wanted to also. Go ahead, ask it, because um, I think we're thinking the same thing. Yeah, so so just, like, that's another thing. You hear that, and I think that phrase, more than anything else in the charismatic movement, makes, quote-unquote, ordinary Catholics think Pentecostal revival and then say, uh-uh, I don't want any part of that. And so it might be... Like, let me just, I, I've been, I've been reading and I just got off a retreat recently. And one of the things I read on the retreat was this book called Lord Renew Your Wonders by Damien Stain. And I thought it was a really wonderful book. That's, that's the, the phrase that uh, St. John the 23rd used when he wanted to open the second Vatican council is, is praying for this renewal of the Lord's wonders uh, in our current age. And um, but that led to some other reading and stuff. And one of the definitions I've found of praying in tongues that sounds, I think, more palatable to, <laughs> to a Catholic um, who's not used to that kind of thing uh, is expressing joy and praise in a wordless way. And when I started reading about that there's this other book called sounds of wonder which has this cover and it looks like it's straight out of the 70s and so i i avoided it for a while but it's actually quite good um by eddie ensley i think is the, the author of that one um and it's on the history of of uh praying in tongues um throughout the church and you see all these references to something called jubilation in the church fathers Eubulatio and St. Jerome is using that word to translate things from the Psalms and fathers are, are assuming this as a reality um, uh, in liturgical and in prayer contexts all the way up until at least the ninth century you see references to this and it just I know it's a slightly different thing but it just it reminded me of something that has really struck me because I dearly love chant music that's been a huge part of my own spirituality and we have these we've talked about them before on the podcast but we have these things called sequences in the liturgy of the church uh like the veni sancte spiritus is the sequence for pentecost and the victime pascali laudes is the sequence for easter those things grew out of basically a monastic context of chanting the alleluia and then having someone you could say be sort of so full of the joy of the Holy Spirit that he just keeps going and freestyles on it, on that last syllable. Um, and then people saying, oh, I like that, writing it down. And then it becomes this kind of fixed thing called a sequence. 
reading about the the gift of singing in tongues in particular, which you you alluded to uh, in your community, uh, or singing in the spirit is another another phrase. Reading about that really reminded me of like stuff that I've come across while chanting. Like I'll just be so full. Like after you chant the office for an hour or something like that, or an hour and a half, which I did on my retreat with my buddy, um, we you would just be sort of humming that um, throughout the day. And then as you're praying, like maybe that would come back to you and that would become a form of, of expression of this joy and praise that sort of goes beyond words. And for me, it was it was very tied up with that word alleluia and just extending that syllable. So I saw things like that in the little bit of reading that I've done. I know that's a huge introduction to a question, but like, could you explain... <laughs> Um, just using that as kind of a, a framework, like, is that what y'all mean? Is that sort of what y'all mean? And how should a Catholic understand this? Because that is kind of just hearing that phrase is a turnoff, I think, to Catholics. And maybe if, if they understood what we're talking about by it, it wouldn't be so intimidating. Mm -hmm. Sure. So the gift of tongues, um, I think can be kind of scary because, we might see it in a misused context. Like we might have experienced the gift of tongues, like in a very demonstrative, like attention getting way. And that would be a misuse of the gift. So all of the gifts of the spirit are ordered towards the building up of the church and the edification of God's people. So um, they're not about us. It's not about like, let me get some attention. Let me be demonstrative. Let me be loud and noisy. The gifts of the spirit, including the gift of tongues are ordered towards edification of God's people, edification of me, edification of you and the building up of the church. So I just share that as like a, an intro comment that I could understand why people would feel like, you know, if they've seen like televangelists or things like that, being like this, this is not Catholic, this is scary. And this, these people are all about themselves. Um, that's not what we want to be. We want to always be humble in the presence of the Lord. There's a few different ways to explain the gift of tongues and just the, for the sake of time, the first thing that's coming to me and the one that I would say is um, the gift of tongues is a prayer language. So uh, we speak English, I speak Spanish, you know, you might speak Latin or Hebrew <laughs> or some other more earthly languages. Um, the gift of tongues is a prayer language. And in the book of, I think it's in the book of Romans, St. Paul writes about how the Holy Spirit, we, we don't know what to pray and the Holy Spirit prays through us and he utters with these, uh, these groans that are inexpressible to us. And we see that as a, a possible expression of the gift of tongues, that the Holy Spirit is the one praying in us. So I'll share a story from one of our sisters. She, when she first came to prayer town to visit the sisters, she was just driving through and just needed a place to stay. And she told them, I do not want to join your community. I am not discerning. Do not we're not going there. And so anyway, now she's one of our wonderful religious sisters and did join our community and God did what he does. But she, when the sisters asked her if she would like prayer and she uh, received prayer ministry and she received the gift of tongues. And she was like, you know, Lord, I'm not really like, what is this? I'm not really interested in the gift of tongues. Like, can you teach me? Because like you said, she was really turned off by this phrase and by the, you know, her previous experiences and she said, Lord, teach me about this gift of tongues. And she felt in her prayer that the Lord um, taught her and, and said, in your language, you have 
profaned, you have blasphemed, you have cursed. And I want to give you a language that is pure so that you can pray to me with a purity of heart. And so for her, uh, she received um, peace in that, in knowing that God wanted to give her a language that she could pray to him that was pure and, and un, uninhibited by earthly sin and by earthly, uh, you know, boundaries. And so I would say that, first of all, like the gift of tongues is a gift of prayer. And it's, it's personal. It's between me and Jesus. And, and um, it's meant to edify me. And so um, the gift of tongues is not necessary for salvation. It's not necessary that everyone pray in the gift of tongues, but it is a way that we can pass through kind of like all the junk in our own hearts and in our own minds, you know, like I get so distracted in prayer. Oh my gosh. By like, oh, I have to call this person at this time. And this person said this thing yesterday and I don't have enough coffee. And like, I wonder how Nikki and Joey are doing and all the things. And and I get distracted. And so it's so helpful, like when I'm going off and off and off in my distractions to just come back and like pray in tongues for a few seconds and reopen my heart to the Holy Spirit and reopen my heart to God's love. So that those are some comments. I don't know if that really answers any specific question, but that's kind of some comments about the gift. I think so. Uh, yeah. Do you think, um, I don't even know how to ask it, but what, what do you say to a person who says back, well, I just, I feel you're just, you're just spewing words. You're speaking gibberish. Like it, it's, it's not real. Yeah. Or take that and add also, uh, aren't we supposed to use our reason and express ourselves in a very human way? Right. Uh, isn't this handing ourselves somehow over to emotion in a way, which is uh, not engaging the intellect. Right. Cause I've, I've heard that also. Um. So it is true that the gift of tongues in a certain sense, and I don't mean this in any kind of weird sense, like bypasses our mind. You know, like when I pray in tongues, I don't have to engage my mind. It's a prayer from my heart to the heart of God. And I don't have to know what I'm saying. So um, that can make people uncomfortable. Um, but the Lord wants to speak to our hearts. Like, yes, our minds are important. And at the same time, our minds can be a barrier, you know, <laughs> like our minds can get in the way when we're overanalyzing God and his movements. And, um, God wants to pour his love into our hearts. You know, like, uh, I think I've heard on your podcast before I could be making that up, but on like, God wants to have like a, a marital relationship with his people. Like it's not just an intellectual relationship. And so like he wants to pour his love actually into our hearts. And so um, being open to the Holy Spirit, who is the love of God, has to happen in the heart also. Not, not that there's a division between the mind and the heart, but we want them to be united. And so if I'm like just dwelling in my mind and not letting my heart experience God's love, there's going to be a disconnect. Um, and so yes, the gift of tongues opens our hearts and doesn't engage our minds um, in, in a concrete way. Um, there are forms of prayer where we are in mental prayer. It's called that, and that's necessary for all mm -hmm. Catholic prayer. Like we, there is a form of prayer and it's talked about in the catechism that mental prayer is necessary. We need to pray the Hail Mary and the Our Father and the liturgy, and we need words and mental prayer. Um, we also need contemplative prayer, which is beyond the mind. Mm -hmm. So the gift of tongues, I would say, is even though it's a vocal expression, it is ordered towards contemplation. 
man, there is so much. Yeah, it's a great answer. You should become a religious sister. Um, <laughs> there's a, I mean, there's so much we could say or do in this. Like, I feel like every one of these things needs to be like broken up and maybe we will um, do it another time. We're coming to our close of our time. Um, I do want to end though to say, um, so you've talked about, yeah, it's a relationship with God and entering into prayer. We've talked about, you gave a, a good book suggestion. Um, so somebody wants to, though, they say like, well, I'm open to this. I'm open to this idea of, you know, the gift of tongues or, you know, maybe um, being a little bit more charismatic in their in in their prayer life. Um, I mean, Besides that one book you gave, any other resources, encouragement, things that you would say, hey, start here, or even just an exercise for them to do in their daily prayer? Sure. Well, one thing that's helpful and might be difficult right now because of how church life is arranged in this season of the world, but um, prayer groups, charismatic prayer groups are a great place to um, get connected to people who know how to pray uh, in charismatic spirituality. I would say people who are, are formed in charismatic spirituality. There's a, So if you can find a charismatic prayer group that's actually meeting in person and uh, has people who are well-formed, that's a great place. That's kind of hard to find right now. I will say um, Renewal Ministries is a wonderful, wonderful ministry. Ralph Martin founded this ministry and he's very charismatic. Renewal Ministries on their website, you can Google it, has tons and tons of resources, which some are free, some you buy, but that would be a great place to start. And they, um, tons of books, tons of videos, resources. Um, they have really, really, really developed. Uh, I would say they, they have communicated in a very positive way, the charismatic spirituality as a theology also. So that might be a great place to find on their website, book resources or articles or lots of questions and answers that uh, people can research on their own. That's awesome. Um, and I know she, sister did not ask me to do this, but I want to shout this out that obviously, you know, these religious sisters, anybody who I've ever come in contact with in the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ is on fire for the Lord, living a holy life, all of that. You know, if you would like to support their mission and that, I encourage you to, I mean, they live off of like, the goodwill of others, you know, not mm -hmm. compared to us that we get a paycheck. Right. Um, yeah. and so the, the work you're doing, I know at the Ark and the Dove in Pittsburgh, they depend on those types of resources. I know you're trying to fundraise for a new sound system and to do things so that you can teach more people about the Lord and that experience. And the disciples are also doing things. So if any of our listeners are moved to say, wow, this is an order after, the Lord's heart, you know, and you want to, um, support them. We'll, we'll share a link in our show notes. Um, father Paul will link it to our show notes. Yeah. I definitely know how to do that. <laughs> and so, um, we'll definitely, um, I, I mean, we could almost break down, which maybe we will at some point, but I know you also have like a religious duty and you can't do this every day or every Tuesday, but I mean, I would love to go into depth more about like, prophecy and healings and things that you've encountered just in, or just even like people who raise their hands as exp expressive praise, you know, mm -hmm. like w w there's so many things. Uh, go ahead. I'm hearing seven part series. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing right now. And that is music <laughs> to my ears. 
and my heart. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Sister agreed to a seven-part series in addition to the two-part series she just did today. But, Sister, you're a friend of the show. You're a friend of my family, and we definitely want to have you back on if you're open to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, any last comments or thoughts? Well, I would love to be back on the podcast. This is a fulfillment of my dreams. <laughs> I, the, the phrase of religious life, I'll try and get permission. Let me see, you know, um, so I'll get permission to be back on. But I will just say as a closing comment that um, one other thing, this could open a whole nother podcast, but um, sometimes people ask this question of like, well, which is more important, the charismatic or the hierarchy or the liturgy or charismatic mm -hmm. prayer. And um, I can't remember which church document it's in, but the church acknowledges that the charismatic and the hierarchical are like two lungs. We have two lungs and we need both of them to breathe fully. And so there's not a conflict. We're breathing with two lungs. We need both and we need them to be integrated. So um, yes, we like talk about, you know, like distinctions and that's important to understand, but we're breathing with two lungs and we want all, all the oxygen that we can get, right? All the life of the church. So I would just encourage everyone to, um, yeah, pray and be open to the Holy Spirit, be open to God's love for you. And um, yes, and to check out Renewal Ministries. They have lots of resources. And awesome. also check out Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ because they're awesome. So, hey, Sister Marie Fidelis, you're amazing. Thank you for this intro kind of to charismatic life and all of that. And uh, behalf of Sister and Father Paul, Joey Scancella, let's say take care. God bless. 